everyone, let me, uh, let me interrupt. Others may join us as they make the five-minute journey from reception to here. Um, uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Scott from Matt. Um, uh, Millie and I put this seminar together, but it's basically, it, it's, it's, it, we're doing very little of the teaching. It's basically over to you guys. We've got a bit of a panel who um, Millie's going to ask some questions of in a bit, and then there'll be lots of times to share ideas um, uh, and, and, and challenges, um, and uh, we'll finish by praying together in, in little groups um, uh, as well. So let me pray, and then I'll intro, um, give us a bit of an intro, and we'll plan Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how we, um, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word speaks um, life and truth to us because it speaks of Jesus and points us to him, and it's how we know him. Father, pray that as we uh, seek to do that in our families, um, whatever stage we're at, uh, however um, often we have been used to doing that, Father, please help us to, to do that as, as best we can in a way that engages um, uh, our, our kids' hearts with, uh, with the truth of your word, um, Father, because we, we trust and we believe that that is what will, um, will bear fruit for eternity in their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you've got a Bible... Um, do you want to flick up Deuteronomy uh, 6? If you don't mind, we'll just go on a quick minute or two in Deuteronomy 6. There's lots of verses you could go to when thinking about um, uh, reading the Bible as a family. But here's one Deuteronomy 6 from verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 there, uh, 4 and 5, are one of the most fundamental statements of, uh, of the whole of the Old Testament. Um, God is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then our response to who God is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus will say in the New Testament that essentially sums up the whole of the Old Testament. And then what, um, what are the Israelites to do, having been uh, given that revelation of who God is and how they have to respond? Uh, well, they're to be written on, these commandments should be written on their hearts, they're to impress them on their children, and they're to talk about them um, when they sit, when they're on the road. It's to be a natural and normal part of, um, of the life of the community together, of the life of the family, that they talk about um, uh, what, what God has revealed about who he is and what he has done. Um, and, and so, um, look, we're not suggesting that we bind a Bible to our foreheads, that would be a bit heavy, um, but, but we do want it, I think, to be a regular and normal part of family life, both in a sort of formal, um, maybe formal sort of structured way, but also um, informally. And of course, that, that rule is wider than just parents. Um, I guess most of us here are here as parents, but, but others can uh, play a part in that. Certainly in the Old Testament context, it wasn't just mum and dad who would have responsibility for that, it would be... Um, it would be wider than that, so do encourage others in it too. But let me um, let me just say um, what this time isn't. What we will be doing is presenting a sort of one size fits all. You know, here is the way um, uh, to, 
to read the Bible with your kids and to um, to do that as a family and to encourage them because um, that, that that just doesn't exist. Um, some some families will have been doing it for years and will find a pattern that works and that's great to to share and for the encouragement of others. Others uh, maybe just at the beginning of of thinking about doing it and maybe a whole new concept to think about and um, looking at the Bible as a, as a family. Um, with your kids in a, in a sort of deliberate, intentional way. So that's fine. We're not, uh, we're not assuming anything. We're not trying to um, uh, sort of set out a pattern. We're just trying to um, help one another. Um, and that is, is deliberately called help with family Bible times um, because all of us, however uh, much we're doing it, however great um, they might be, and maybe they are, um, all of us could do with a bit of help um, and a bit of encouragement in, in doing it. So that's, that's where we will be. Um, we hope it, it'll be the beginning of a conversation, just um, helping us to share ideas and resources. And the sheet on your handout, uh, on your uh, handout on your um, seats, is just a recommended list of resources uh, for different age groups. Uh, you might be that. Um, and it will be an opportunity to pray uh, for uh, for one another, which we'll do. Uh, we'll do in a bit. Let me hand over to Millie, who's going to glean some of the wisdom from our panel. Millie. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Nick and Nicole and Jan and Becca very kindly agreed to being grilled (laughs) on this topic. Um, I'm going to ask them a few questions and then after that it's going to be time for anyone else who wants to ask a specific question or indeed if you've heard something that you feel you've got something helpful to add to at the end um, then please do and then as Scott mentioned we're going to um, break into groups to pray for one another and our and our families. Um, so thanks very much. <laughs> um, a lot of you will know um, these guys, but some may not, or some might not better remember exactly how old their children are and things. So, do you mind just telling us, perhaps Nick and Nicole, if you want to start, just um, a bit about your family and what age and stage you are at? Yeah. So we've got two primary school age boys who are seven and five, and then our little one is two. Uh, and we've got a 10-year-old boy, uh, I'm thinking, an 11-year-old girl and a 14-year-old girl. So two is like one of them. And someone sort of mentioned to me recently that they had grown up, neither of their parents were Christians, so they didn't feel they had a model themselves for how to start out with um, reading the Bible for um, with their children. Um, can you tell us a bit about your... I know you sort of all come from different... Backgrounds. Can you tell us a bit about your own family backgrounds and how that's influenced um, you and what you do with your families? Um, let's start with you first this time. So yeah, I come from a Christian family. My dad is a, is a or yeah is a church minister in Northern Ireland. Um, so I think we were always started very young as kids doing a sort of quiet time on our own with the parent. Um, but we never really had family Bible times, I don't think. Maybe now and again, like if we were on holiday as a one-off. Um, so there was that sense of, of, a, of a quiet time that I was brought up with. Yeah. How about you, Becca? And so my parents are both um, not Christian, and we obviously then didn't have any Bible time. My grandmother, a Roman Catholic, would take me to Mass when I was about three, and I have vivid memories of being kept quite being fed peanuts under the pew. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, you know, even at that age, I think I, I really had a, an awareness that there was somebody out there. And I remember having borrowing this book, getting this book from the library given to me, 
um, and it had the Lord's Prayer in it. And I, I think I was about six, sort of kneeling down in, in sort of just behind my mum's dresser because I thought I was doing something wrong, sort of trying to pray. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I didn't have any exposure um, to quiet times, the formal quiet times as a kid. How about you? I'm from a Christian family. My dad is an evangelist, and he was away a lot. My mum wasn't a very confident Christian, so actually, by the time I think they wanted to do family Bible times, I was at an age where I could make that pretty awkward, which I did. Um, <laughs> and they didn't really persevere with me, actually. I'm the eldest of five, and I think they did persevere later, and actually, my younger siblings kind of um, grew up much more used to doing that. But I think that probably did play a part in how easy I found it to kind of walk away from the Lord as a teenager. And I think one of the consequences was I was probably in my mid-twenties before I could easily talk to my parents about spiritual things. Um, in the Lord's mercy, like, he's kept all of us going, which is, is wonderful. But I think for our family, it makes me think when the pain barriers come, we want to push through them. I'm sure they'll be there in different ways at different times. We want to really try and push through those. Um, yeah, so uh, likewise, Christian parents, my dad's a minister, um, and what we did every day was a little thing called step-by-step -step daily Bible readings, um, so a couple of verses, a couple of thoughts on the verses, everyone would pray, and the whole thing took about between three and four minutes, so it was really, 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 really short, we did it at breakfast every day, and as a teenager, I can't remember, it completely washed over, like, I, I can't remember any, any of it, it was not going in and changing my day. Um, and so I kind of thought, maybe as a teenager, if you looked at me, you thought it was a waste of time um, for me. But actually, I realised, looking back on it, that the way that it formed me was at a much different and deeper level. It wasn't that I understood a Bible verse and that transformed my day. That wasn't happening. But what it did was that it, it taught me a couple of things. It taught me that the Bible is at the centre of home. <laughs> um, it's not something just out there. It's actually here, um, uh, where, where, where we all are. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, the, the divide between those two things isn't there. Um, so, yeah, in terms of how that's maybe affected um, how we want to do things, I suppose, in my head, having something is just better than nothing. Um, even if it looks like it's not going in, it is doing something. It can, the day, that daily thing can be forming people in deeper ways, even if it looks like nothing's going in. Um, but also, I suppose, in my mind, I'm less worried about them, like, comprehending the main point of the passage like we might think for a Sunday sermon or something. I'm not so, I'm not so worried about if they, have they got it, have they really got what we said today. I don't really mind so much about that anymore, because I think the way that it forms is a bit deeper than that. Yeah, so you've started to touch on a bit, Nick, but so why would you say it's important for you to open the Bible with your children? Do you want to go for it? Yeah, yeah. Um, carry on and then we'll move um, this way. Yeah, I, I suppose, I'll, I'll show up, the things I just said. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose part of that, from before they can understand, because it's shaping their lives from before they have, you know, with a tiny baby, before they know what's happening, that that's part of their life. Yeah. I think as Christians, um, you know, God is the most important thing, and Jesus is the most important thing in our lives, and if we think it's important, you know, to teach kids how to use a spoon or to be able to get up in the morning and do it, then of course this is really important too. So I think it is really important. How you do it obviously depends on your family setup because you know your kids better than anyone else. Um, but that's the, mot the motivation is you want to give them something that's good and something that's so essential. Um, I think for us with, you know, 10, 
11 and 14 year olds and we, you kind of see that sort of in a different way now that they're starting secondary school because they get assaulted with all this world stuff. I mean, for us at the moment with our girls, it's um, pressure from the LGBTQ society at the secondary school, they go to girls' school. And then it, you, you sort of realise that at this age they're being assailed by so much that's not biblical and not true. And if we're not opening the Bible at home to give them God's perspective, then where are they going to get that from? You know, to equip them to recognise what's false from the world, they need to know what's true. and. You've got, to, you've got to point them to the Bible for that, I think. Sorry, I said it. Yeah. No, I think that's... Yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe sort of maybe picking up a little bit on Nick's point, I think, remember that, like, God's word is powerful, and like on Isaiah 55, you know, it doesn't return to him empty, so even if it, it's chaos or the teenagers are just clearly disengaged, I think, you know, God's word, we're, we're at least opening it and trying to have a discussion... Um, and you know, God's God's word is powerful and can work in people's lives. Um, I think Scott said quite helpfully at the beginning that you know there isn't uh, this is how you do it and every family should do it this way. But um, at the same time, it'd be quite helpful just to hear a bit about how you have ended up doing it in your own families. Um, do you want to start? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I think I mean you guys can talk about the young kids, but we, what we what we did was. When from like zero, we were trying to do something every evening, and often that was individually, wasn't it, with the kids? Um, so we'd basically do a little, and we've continued to try to do that. And it was somebody, I think it might have been Mark Fossey or Richard Cochin or somebody who, who said to us, like, just persevere with it as long as you can, still doing it. So we still actually, with Naima's 14 year old, more often than not, will do her, do the quiet time with her. Um, just so it gives us a time at the end of the day to reflect on her day and with God's word and to try to teach her. And I think maybe in that situation, the balance is at what point do we start saying, well, no, just go off and do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose, maybe was it more during lockdown? It's during COVID, we, we started trying to do a little bit at breakfast as well as a family. And, and that's varied over time. Like at one point we were trying to do like family worship. So we would read a, read a passage, short passage, have a little discussion, sing a hymn, pray, and do a memory verse. That was the idea. And that was, uh, <laughs> I think it worked during lockdown, but, it, but it, we're not doing that anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, it was good while it lasted. So, um, but we'll try to do, so basically in the morning at breakfast, will take me a maximum five, ten minutes just reading, a, just going through a, a book, just as in a book of the Bible, just like a few verses. And then we, it won't be, we won't really have prepped it very much at all. It'll just be like, what does it say? You know, what does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about the world, ourselves? How should we respond or pray? Um, so it's not, it's not complicated. And then we just, one of us will just say a quick prayer and then goes and gets the bus. And then in the, e- in the evenings we'll, we'll do individual Bible times um, and at the moment we're using a good book company resources so the younger ones using Discover and the older two are using Engage. Yeah so those are on the list I think. I think there's some copies of some of the things as well. It's, it's much less onerous because the questions are there <laughs> already but it helps because you've got them on their own and you can 
you know, obviously they're different ages, so meet them at where they're at and try and have a conversation about, you know, have, have about their day around the world as well. So, so those How about you, Nick and Nicole? What have you ended up? Um, so we, one thing I discovered is that if it takes preparation, I just won't do it. <laughs> um, so I tr tried doing different things where you have to kind of prepare everything in and it just wasn't working. So we try to always do things that you can just pick up and go, if that makes sense. At the moment we divide and conquer, so at bedtime with the two boys I'll read them a story, and as Nicole's putting Kezia down she'll read Kezia a story. Sometimes we switch that up, but Kezia would always much rather have Nicole than me. Um, <laughs> to be fair, the boys would rather have Nicole than me as well. So yeah, that, that, that's what we do. We divide and conquer and um, just read a Bible story um, from the Vols Bible. We can describe that later. And then we've had seasons where we've done things as well, like you guys at the table. So particularly the Easter and Lent can tell. No, that's the same thing, Lent and Advent. Um, we've enjoyed using the, the entry resources. Some of you have probably seen them and, and do those all together as a family. So we kind of mix things up. So, um, I mean, you, you can carry on. What are the challenges of doing family Bible times or even individual Bible times with children under the age of 10? Well, I hope there's nothing worse coming between 7 and 10. <laughs> uh, I guess, in a word, chaos, you know, somebody needs a poo, someone else is telling a joke, the baby is crying, someone else is like thinking, something else and looking at the ceiling. Um, so there's the, the, the general, what having children that age is like. And then on the practical side, just a time of day that everybody is awake and at home at the same time, right? So for us, there's three days a week at least where that just doesn't happen because, so that's another kind of practical thing to, to figure out. And how about um, teenagers? Um. What are the challenges? I think, yeah, if, like doing something at breakfast with teenagers, can you sometimes you question it. Um, so just general disengagement or, you know, they're wanting to get on with the rest of the day like we are type of thing. Um, so I think the key there is just to keep it short, um, just to do something. Um, and then in the evening when we do one-to-one, -one, it's probably more... The danger is like with all of our quiet times, it can become a tick box counter and... Know, we get the notes out and we read it and answer the question and do pray and then rather than it being a real meeting with our Lord and listening to his voice following him. I think also particularly when they get to the age of 10 and they've read the Bible or Bible stories that many times, the danger is they think they know it all and they think they've done it, done it and therefore there's nothing possibly more they can learn from it. So the challenge is how to get them to dig deeper than they've already dug. Um, I'm not sure we have the answers yet, but, but it's a bit, the, note, the note's good. But maybe doing more kind of questioning um, of them and, and would be more helpful. But it is, it is, I think for us as well, I mean, when we do it, you think, oh, I've done that, I've done that book, I know what it says, and then your brain doesn't open up enough. No. I think for Tim, the, the Linda Alcock material, which is a head and heart, is really good because clearly she's trying to not only give us notes to do with the kids or for the kids to do, but it's teaching them how to think about scripture and how to read the Bible for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I found it really helpful as well. Mm. So what do you do, or I suppose feel, when it's all going pear-shaped? So you probably don't have children 
literally doing a poo at the table anymore. <laughs> 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 But, you know, monosyllabic or worse than monosyllabic or, you know, it's complete chaos. What, I mean, are there any encouragements that you can give to people as to how to, what to do in that moment or how to feel about what's happened after? Is it a total failure? Has it not been worth meeting uh, with them? <laughs> meeting with them? <laughs> my, my first thought on that was for the younger ones is just don't take it personally. Because that moment... Just want to take it personally and get really angry, or even be like, God, I'm trying to do the right thing here and it's not working, it's just no just taking it personally and just, just try not to. <laughs> it's not about you that moment. I find it helpful to tell myself that. Um, but I do think also with the younger ones, just setting an expectation over time, like you would with any behaviour, we, we are expecting we're going to sit and listen to this. And if they're like being defiant about that, then just like they would in any other area, you give whatever consequences you would give, set the expectation really clearly. And if that's being completely gone against, and over time, you just well, however you would discipline, discipline, discipline sounds really harsh, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. You set the expectation: this is something we're going to do, and then if that's being being rebelled against, then you um, go and set the search for five minutes or whatever it might be. Um, and uh, to begin with, that might be a real battle, especially if you're not used to it. But the only time you can get it into their own, this is what we do. Um, so I think don't take it personally. Um, set the expectation over time, and uh, like, stick to it. Be consistent with that. Um, but I also think just something's better than nothing. If you get the Bible open and it's complete chaos and it goes like a disaster and everyone's crying at the end, I still think that's better than nothing. Um, well, it links to what you were saying at the beginning, Nick, about that you don't remember anything from yeah. going, but, but that, that pattern of, of, of saying that the Bible at the heart of, yeah. so even if you've not learnt anything, the fact that it was opened is... It's doing something to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and also the, the recognition that, listen, this is God's word, so it goes out and doesn't come back empty, it, it, God is the one that's going to be making that seed grow and yes you've opened the Bible with the kids but it's not down to you in the end so don't stress or panic when it's not going according to you know, my plan because my plan's a bit limited do you know what I mean? That's the encouragement that if, you know, they're picking their nails, they've got their hair all over the place, five minutes and they've got to be leaving but hopefully God's at work and you know he can <laughs> so yeah, it's um, long term results I think when it, when it seems to all be going wrong, in one sense, it might say two contradictory things. One is to persevere and just keep going. And the other is also maybe at some point to think, well, this isn't working. Let's, mm-hmm. should, we, should we mix it up? Should we try something yeah. different? Should we do it at a different time of day? But, um, yeah. But it's so, okay, sorry, it's, it's okay to say, look, this isn't working. Let's try something else. You know, it's not that you've done something wrong. It's just you're trying to work out where your family is at that moment and what your kids' characters are like. Because they may change, you know, it might work in one season and then not in another. Nicole, did you have anything you wanted to add? No. Um, what have been the encouragements? We don't want to just hear about when it's hard. What have been the encouragements, Jal and Becca, to open the Bible with your children? So, um, I think long term, having been doing quiet house then individually, has given us the chance to sit down and say with them individually, you know, what do you think about God? And what do you think Jesus has done? And what, how do you want to respond? So each of them have said that they wanted to follow Jesus. Obviously, you know, age five, that's going to be looking, looking different to age 14. But that's been a real privilege, you know, to sort of have that out there and then be saying, well, that's great. Let's let's walk with you through the pattern. It's a huge, obviously, you know, that was, it's not like that every day. But if you look back, 
that that's pretty amazing, I think. And if you, if you weren't doing the individual or family Bible time, that may not have happened. It wouldn't have. I think also when we chatted, you I don't know if it was the right answer to this question, but you were talking about giving them a, a biblical worldview in which they can sort of counter what they're hearing at school. I know you mentioned the school a bit and things, yeah. and that that's encouraging to see that you've given them a... Um... Yeah, and I think having... If, if you set that expectation that, you know, we do a Bible time before, before bed in the evening, then you have that space to then reflect on what's going on in their life and, and, and think about it in the light of God's word. Um, whereas if, if we didn't have that, increasingly they get busy with their own activities and they've got homework and then they want to go to bed, you know. So you, you wouldn't, you maybe then wouldn't have so many opportunities to Or they wouldn't, to you, they wouldn't yeah, and they, you wouldn't necessarily hear either some of the stuff that they're hearing at school and things. So, so one Bible time recently, our middle one said, Mommy, is God, is God a she? They're doing pronouns at school. Um, and <laughs> after the initial <gasps> shock horror, um, it, it was quite normal then to say, well, actually, Sophia, what does the Bible say? And because she's had the, she's into the habit of looking at the Bible to find out what God's like, um, she was able to see, well, actually, does it? He, uh, no matter what the, the teachers at school are trying to push. And then that tension there between what the world is, is pushing and what the Bible says was out there, and you can talk about it. Um, yeah, semi-encouraging. <laughs> What about you, Nick and Nicole? What, what have your encouragements been? I think they're prayers. Um, so some of them are just ridiculous. Um, I remember one time when Judah prayed, and I memorised it because I found it so funny. He said, Dear God, death. Thank you for death. Thank you that you deathed for us. But for goodness sake, don't forget David and Goliath. Amen. <laughs> some of later, the first time that he prayed, dear God, you're the only one that can save us from sin. Thank you. Um, that's lovely. So, watching their understanding grow in their prayers, um, that's encouraging. Yeah. And then also, I think, beginning to see them make connections to their real lives. Um, so, we were doing some stuff in Proverbs about a year ago, and that's very much kind of still in there, the boys vocabulary. Which way lies wisdom? Which way lies foolishness? And kind of thinking for themselves in their own lives, like what is that? And sort of, and actually for both of them as well, um, God's city, like we're going to God's city, I'm so excited about it. And sort of seeing them see, begin to work that into their own real lives is just wonderful. That's oh, lovely, thank you. Yeah, this prayer is amazing. Um, now we've got the list of resources that we've. Um, handed out and there, there are probably lots of other things that people collectively could, could mention um, but are there any things you've studied or particular resources that you'd like to mention that you felt worked particularly well or that you'd want to recommend um, John Becker um, so I don't know that, so um, XT Explore the Bible is good for kind of families um, I think just somewhere over there and then um, and the discover and engage. A table talk. Sorry, table talk is for families, and the next thing is for individual Bible time. I think that yeah. was good for us. It helps set the pattern anyway, because it's just really easy. You just open it, and there's puzzles and things. There's no prep involved. Um, and then uh, discover and engage are for the next sort of more end of primary, beginning of secondary school teacher. So I can just say it's a table talk. It's good for. Uh, it's all on us. Yeah. The, um, oh, right. Where is it on the table talk? 
Yeah, so here, if you've got four to tens, you've got table talk. Ah, yeah, it's a sort of group family um, thing. And then there's um, Bible reading notes here, XTP on the back, uh, on the back, Bible reading notes. So XTB is sort of more for them to do one-to-one -one or with you, but okay. and the table talk's supposed to be for families. Yes. Yeah. You can, good book company and things, other places sell those. Well, at one point we did go through some of Westminster Shorter Catechism, like I was of a, I'm of a generation of mm. you guys. <laughs> well, well, anyway, I was the son of a minister and we learned Catechism. Um, so we've gone through that, which has been quite good. We haven't gone through it. No, we haven't gone through all of it. Um, it was the shorter version as well. But um, yeah, so that's an option to do, like some doctrine. Um, and then, like I've mentioned already, in in the mornings, what we've done is just take like you know we've just gone through Romans and we've just taken like a third of a chapter and read it, and then talked about it, and not again like Nick was saying, not done a lot of prep just been like, this is God's word. Because and... ultimately that's what you want to show them, is, is the Bible. It's not a fancy um, Bible study companion. It's not about puzzles, it's about God's word. And eventually, I think obviously I was older, you get to that stage where you just it's literally just God's word and let's, let's talk about it together. Mm -hmm. Nick and Nicole, anything um, to I add? I think naught to two is the hardest. Scott, can you hold up the one nearest you? Yeah, that's the one. So naught to two, we've we've or naught to three, we found those ones really helpful. Read loud Bible stories. Um, three to five, the beginner's Bible, we thought was great, and there are some notes that go with this that have stickers and stuff. Fantastic, we love that. Yeah. Um, five plus, could you hold up the Voss, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Five plus, I found that really really helpful. It's much closer to the Bible text. Um, but for me, one of the helped me think about how to go through it. I have three different kind of sections in my head, different things to cycle through to keep it fresh. So one is just Bible stories, just going through Bible stories, and that's kind of what we do most of the time. But there's two other headings. One would be like overview. There's lots of overview Bibles, like this one, Big Picture Story Bible. This is amazing because the artwork is, was designed by a theologian, so there's loads of detail. So as you go back through it and through it and through it, the kids start to spot more and more of the symbol of the stuff. Um, I like this Bible where they are friendly together on the front. <laughs> we, had, we had a moment where, she, where, where Luke said, hang on a second, Daddy, didn't he cut his head off? <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, sorry, so Bible stories and then like Bible overview stuff, and there's, like, there's different ones of that. There's some examples over there. And then thirdly, doctrine stuff. So like big truths about God. Um, and for example, theology, this is slightly older ones. Uh, but there's other ones that do doctrine, like we've got a figure there called 40 Names of God in the Bible. Um, but just keeping it fresh, I try and cycle through those two things. I'll do Bible stories for a while, some doctrine thing for a while, um, and some overview thing, and then just cycle around to keep it fresh. Yes, we've got copies. They're not for you to take away, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but we've got copies of quite a few of the things on the list over on the table. So if you want to go and flick through, you know, have a look at the the list and sort of see what's your kids' age group that and and see what we've got over there if, if it's helpful to get some ideas um, afterwards. Um, um, Is it worth mentioning that one, Millie? Yeah, so the Ed Drew, the Wonder of Easter, yeah. If you wanted to start something maybe got to have over this this is one for sort of Lent, which starts Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, this week. Um, well, just to 
So we did, we did have these, we've done the Christmas ones, and one of the things that I've really learned from those is that you'll go through this story together, and then they've got different questions for different ages, yeah. so we'll ask the five-year-old one question, and then um, whatever, the eight-year-old a different question, and if we had one for the 14-year-old a different question. Um, but it keeps it all together, because they the story together, and then um, different levels of question. But he's good at modeling that, which I think is teaching me something about how you ask different questions at different ages. So I feel like I'm learning how you do that as we go through. What advice would you give um, to any of us, I think probably we're all in this category at some point, who are struggling to read the Bible together as a family? What would you say to those who are at this moment? <laughs> I would say just do it. Like it doesn't need, you don't need huge amounts of prep. So um, I don't know if that's helpful. Because <laughs> um, the danger is like, I don't know, I, I'm a bit like, I don't know, with evangelism, like oh, I need to read all these books and go to all the next courses before I do it type of thing. And of course that's wrong. You just need to crack on and do it and then And it's normal for it to be chaos because you're not perfect, the kids are not perfect. So it's not going to be perfect <laughs> and there's never going to feel a perfect time, but it is important. So even if it's just five minutes a day, um, it, like, it's always, you know, it, it'll, it'll be going in and God will be using it. Um, yeah. Have you got anything to add, Nicole, to that? I guess sometimes it might feel like an actual, like a real sacrifice, you know, when the last thing you want to do is just do something else with your kids, you know, your eyes are on whatever's after they're in bed, but it's worth the sacrifice. And like any other habit in our lives, it does just take time to build. So, push through that pain, Darren. Is there anything else you wanted to specifically mention? Um, I think just something we thought about was. Um, like and it's good. Like sometimes the kids come with questions in a passage, and I we have no idea. And it and then it's quite good to just say like I don't know. Uh, I'll go and ask somebody at church, or I'll read something, and we'll talk about it later. And that's okay. And they learn. You know, we don't. You don't have all the answers. Um, and you know, so don't don't be afraid of that. I think what struck me is just how, for the younger kids, how they learn. It's not through abstract principles. It's not by kind of comprehending a big point. They learn through stories. That's how their worldview gets formed, it's through stories. So just getting stories into them. And stories are fun. Um, just getting stories into them, not being, for me, not being so worried, have they comprehended the big truth here, but just getting the stories into them. If they're, if they're just swimming in the stories, then developmentally, I, that's how worldview and one thing we haven't really spoken about much but is I think you know something really important that's happening in a family Bible time is we are teaching them to speak to God as well um, and so um, yeah I guess how you pray shapes them and how you're helping them begin to talk to God so like with Kezia at the moment she can just about say please sorry thank you and help me but you know just beginning to, to introduce those categories um, will shape the way they can relate to the Lord, which is a wonderful thing to be having that way. I wasn't switching up, I was just challenged by a mate of mine who put our kids down together and we were all hanging out. And he just prayed, as, as he's put into bed, he actually prayed about what he was thinking and feeling. <laughs> um, and it really challenged me, because my intention with the kids, I'm frustrated, I'm waiting for the next thing, and I would say, Pat, okay, dear God, thank you for this, amen. Um, but actually, I'm teaching them how you talk to God there. 
And if that's the only ever way they see me pray, I was really struck. My friend actually prayed like he meant it. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh my goodness, I need to do, I, I want to do that. <laughs> because they're learning how you talk to God as I pray, as well as how we hear from him. And so I, I was really challenged by that, just to be slightly more real <laughs> in what I'm saying. And sometimes that means, God, I'm so sorry, I just lost my temper with the kids. Um, please forgive me, amen. I have to pray that at the end of our quiet times together more often than I'm keen to admit, but if that's how I'm feeling, I believe that up. Just to jump on the cosmos point, how we pray for this teaching and how to talk to God. I think that's all been really helpful. Um, does anybody have any specific questions they that you'd like to ask? Yes, Kelly. In terms of um, resistance that you get from them to listen to um, find that fun, you know, the time. What's the point that you think you are pushing too much? That can that can be negative in the future. Is there is there a way that if I like like even feeding a baby? That's what I do. There's a point that he doesn't want, so I don't want to keep feeding because they may, he might be full, you know. Uh, so it, what's, what is it with the Bible, with the stories that you feel like they don't want to hear and you keep maybe raising the voice and, or if, maybe you can give an example of a situation that you, that you went through that you had to, felt like maybe that's not continue or you continue to do it. What's... Well, you guys have more spirits <laughs> Uh, we just kept it shorter. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're still doing it. And so I suppose with their reading, I'm going to read all over the place. It would literally be um, small. I can't remember. I think it was one of the books that you had maybe two minutes and then sing a song. And, but the repetition helped them to get used to the um, expectation. This was part of the bedtime routine. It's it's going to happen even if you're wriggling really hard. Um, and just, yeah. And so with time, they just got used to it. I think maybe that's just, yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, well, my story is of having parents who did back off and who actually let me choose whether or not to go to church when I was sort of maybe 10, 11. And I think they and I would think now, actually, that level of autonomy actually wasn't very sensible because I wasn't, you know, able or mature enough to make the wise decision. So I guess just like, you know, you're not going to force feed them, but they do need to eat something in the same way. They do need something. So I think, yeah, short, whatever, not going to force them to pray, but, um, you know, or sort of say things that their heart is not ready to feel, that they are going to listen as part of, you know, eating in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just one final thought. There's a question to have in our minds is, is this an issue of sort of um, uh, development, like what they're able to do, or is it an issue of discipline? What Because they're, they're going to fight back against whatever, um, but it, I, I, am I expecting something that this job with the person they've got actually can't do and then therefore I need to change what we're doing? Or is it just they're kicking off <laughs> at which point I need to work through that um, as you would uh, be work through your kids with discipline and other areas? But also kids like change, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. so for instance, you know when you think you've got one time and then you're going to sing out of this, that's when it all changes now. Like, yeah, and then actually if you change it all, you have to change like materials or what time to do it and that's okay. So you can still feed them but you might do it just differently. And then do that with other time as well. You think, I just want to go sit in and read it. <laughs> and then the net needs just like different and it 
Sometimes you flick it open, like, that's going to take 10 minutes to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it was just, oh, the pillow can be the wall of Jericho, or whatever it is. But if you're not inventive like me, I'm able to invent games for the, whatever it is, three to five, so sometimes. I think the entry ones also have a lot of illustrations going on. Yeah. 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 If you, again, you sort of choose whether you're going to light a fire in the middle of the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah.
And I think you can create a bit of a family culture that sounds a bit nebulous, but if you are generally kind of up for at the table or wherever it is, having question conversations about, oh, what do we think about this? What's going on here? In sort of all areas of life, hopefully that helps that those questions do come, and then you know very perfectly you kind of figure them out together, and and so that's part of their yeah part of their shaping. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I suppose we in our times we would try to say you know like basically what, what does this mean for you at school? Like what might this mean for you today at school or? If knowing a little bit about what's going on and what the issues are at school or what other kids are saying about stuff. I suppose trying to apply it to them, but not obviously not having all the answers, but just saying, just modelling that, how does God's word relate to the everyday of our lives? And I think maybe it's a similar point to Unicole, just trying to keep... Um, encouraging the questions and not making them feel that they're a heretic for us asking the wrong ones. I'm not very good at that because my face kind of... <gasps> <laughs> but I think if, if, if they have that perception that you can't ask mum and daddy stuff, um, then you, I guess they're more likely to reach the hit there by 1920 and think, actually, no, I've, I've been too afraid of not being allowed to question it, so actually I, I don't know what this is based on. But if, you, if they've had to work through the answers for themselves, and they're going to be more confident when their friends ask them. Yeah. Can I throw my second question to you guys? <laughs> the other one is more topic-based. So right now, you're talking about teenagers with the LGBTQ plus community. We, right now, have been told that we're going to be asked questions, or Emily's going to have something introduced to her in year one. I'm still trying to figure out with school maybe what that is going to look like and at her level what that's going to be sort of thing. But obviously, it's they're, they're getting you know, very heavy topics thrown at them from very early on, you know, different degrees as they get older and stuff. Um, and wanting to prepare when we are talking to them, rather than just going through something that we're just going through because it so happens to be the book at the time that we're going through. But do you have any advice on dealing with certain, you know, hot topics and how you can maybe approach that in these sort of quiet times? Or is that maybe something that's more of a, let's have some more intensive it isn't specifics with the older ones, I think that's, you guys will have way more to say than I do on that. But I think building the foundations from early on is really helpful. So when I said doctrine, <coughs> I don't just mean abstract theology, I mean books for kids about sex and God's design for sex, which, which start, I don't, like, don't go into much detail, but um, lay, like laying out the basics, God made men and women. There's loads of books that do that for kids aged three to five. Mm-hmm. So building the framework early on to to, to build on later, so then you can engage with other views as they come in. But I, I would say you, you don't want to be reactive about that. If we wait till they're eight to talk to them about sex, they've already learned about it from school, and now you're trying to do remedial work whilst teaching them a worldview that could come back another worldview. Um, so, if possible, try and build it in along the way that what's appropriate at the different stages, but particularly in this area for our generation, what does God say about men and women? What does God say about what's his design for sex? So, with our seven year olds, so we tried to do some of the more basic stuff earlier, but just this week, um, or the week before, we got another another book um, to, to, to go through that, because he's got friends that are seeing, that he's got you know, kids at his school that will be seeing porn on their older yeah. kids, yeah. On, their, on their siblings' phones. And that really is, by 11, kids have all seen porn in schools like that, that that's mm-hmm. the stat or whatever. Um, so starting really young, basically, is what I'm trying to say, building the, the blocks. And then whilst building, teaching them that God's 
God's way and God's um, world is, is good and much better than anything else that they're going to be presented with as an alternative. If they're convinced of that because they've had the foundations laid, they're going to be wanting to share what they what they know to be true with, with their friends and you know obviously you, you do that in a couple you need to respect their friends and listen to their friends but also you want you want to make them give give their alternative because our alternative is the, is, is what's real and true the best you know well yeah no I think we've we've done similar there's obviously then different books you can use going as they get older uh, but, it, but it's trying to be preemptive, um, and then also, and then also trying to be create an environment where they can just bring what's going on because the, the, sometimes you don't know what's coming. Like we didn't know that a sheep was being passed around Sophia's class, and they had to put down their chosen pronoun, and that was like so. When when that came up, then then we you know. We weren't quite ready for that, but you know that's okay. We had a discussion about it, and um, so you can try. But yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's easy to panic as well yeah. and sort of go, Ooh! but actually to say, well, no, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to to talk to my child or children about this area because you know it's just going to be the start of them hearing all sorts of different things. And we can't protect them from, and we don't really want to protect from that because we want them to be able to give their, have an, understand their own point of view and give their own point of view. So it's easy to have that initial, but to think, no, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to engage and talk on this topic. Um, and actually, that's more helpful in a lot of ways. Um, I, think, I think it's definitely good to do it earlier before they get to the teen phase where everything you say because you're their parent is to be taken with a huge dose of salt. <laughs> you know, I think it's it, at this our kids or the older two's age, um, by default often we're wrong just because of who we are. You know, um, so. Yeah. Just one other thing on that, which is um, trying to make connections to the fact that people, other people, don't believe this. So from quite early on, so when I did that sex book, I would say to Luke. Like loads of people don't agree with this, and, 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 and you'll, you'll meet people that say this is not true. But just introducing that as a category so that it's within their frame of reference when that happens. Oh, and that, by the way, that happens in the Bible all the time. They're encountering people in the stories in the Bible, they're encountering people who believe different things and attack them for it all the time. So just making those connections to real life. Um, sometimes when people who disagree with us attack us for it, um, explicitly and implicitly as you go through the stories, just looking. Looking to make those connections points out what happens. I think it's really helpful as well, um, Nicole, you're saying, so just having everything open. I think, you know, as families, just not having any subject that's a taboo topic, mm. just basically taking all questions seriously and not just dismissing them and just having that. I mean, you know, we've had, I've had Gabby say, How do you actually speak to God? Um, but literally, I think I. I spoke for like a minute and then she lost interest. So it's just <laughs> so it's keeping like really short and really simple, but it's just but it's just it's really random. It wasn't a Bible time or anything, but it's just kind of like, oh, well this is how you do it. Yeah, or just you know, just talk to him like a person and just yeah, just keeping it sort of and with, with LGBTQ and stuff, we've had kids asking, what is sex, and what is this, and what is that, and Gabby's got a friend who has two mummies and yeah. explaining things like that, and just this is this is other people's choices, but you know, we don't. We know this, and we believe in in Jesus, and this is what the Bible is. And just yeah, just having it as an open 
discussion ongoing. It's not a specific time. Mm -hmm. Just whenever they have questions, they can. My, my fear with that, which is possibly slightly tangential, every Emily and Lucas actually with siblings in terms so of being in the same classes, also empty dads. And my fear is in the process that we're slowly teaching them all these things, because Emily can be quite vocal back. And I feel like if it's too too quick for her to start speaking out, that she's not a prepared, maybe quite fully understanding and grasping, but also then creating herself this big problem when she's going to school, maybe not being helpful to her peers. And her Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think we can't worry about that because mm. we cannot be ashamed mm. of the gospel mm. and our God. Mm. And I think when we, so our family's adopted, and we've always said from early on, we actually had a book, and I know it was short rest of the period, but we had right from the beginning about all these different families. So adoption families, single families, two mums, two grandmas, one mum, one dad, people look alike, and actually, but we, well, it always gets very helpful for our family. We say, oh, that's our family there, but they're not so it's, but we'll also teach it alongside, you know, and God thinks it's really good to have this single mum and dad together. Always part of conversation, mm -hmm. and you know, I think at one point I did think, Oh gosh, what are we going to say to our this time? You know, gosh, you know, you know who you are, we've got a child outside wedlock, or you know, and we do talk about my dad, but I was very worried because her teacher had a, had a kid before she got married, she's like, I said, Oh, man, you know, who they were, who they were, who they were, um, but I think we just have to trust our God, you know, and pray when we talk about this. And, 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 not be telling the, our kids it's because what we believe is what our God and the Bible says. Mm -hmm. you know? And like they said, all the people who might believe the same. Mm -hmm. And God is faithful. And I have one tip as well also for primary school. When they're telling us that things are coming up, mm -hmm. you can ask, go around and say, well, can I find out what you're going to be saying? What teaching material are you going to be using? Yeah. So it's one time all these conversations are going on. They, they have to do that. You know, and actually, so go and find out ahead what you're going to be teaching. Yeah, you can't do that and say, well, that's good. Okay. So, but you already know ahead, and you've kind of sort of prepared slightly. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to be teaching on that, you can say, well, can I find out what you're using? I'm going to say, you know, that would be useful for us before. Um, and it's, you're less able in secondary school, but when you're looking at primary school, just, oh, you know, to tell you ahead, find out ahead. Be good to carry on these conversations over the rest of the weekend. So um, I'm sure these guys are very happy to answer any other questions that you might have, or amongst ourselves, you know, we can share ideas, can't we? But um, it'd be really good. I think we're just going to split into three groups now, just to pray for one another and our families. Just I think we're due to finish at quarter two, so um, we've just got ten or fifteen minutes to do that. Um, I think we'll. I don't think it matters too much in terms of groups. We just kind of, um, you were going to do, so some with Scott and Sharon, some with you guys, and some with, with the Quins. We'll just kind of split up into three groups. Um, do you want to do another group over yes, here? Yes, I don't want to do that. Uh, 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 u